Hey boys and girls, welcome to Bedtime Bible Stories in Bostonian, the Holy Week edition. Did you know that there are no more important stories in the whole wide world than the ones about the death and the resurrection of Christ Jesus? So we're going to tell them to you. But instead of me telling you the stories, you know what we're going to do? We are going to let some of the dads and the moms from Seven Mile Road in Boston, Massachusetts, tell them to you. And you're going to love it. So grab your chocolate milk and pull on those footsie pajamas and slide under those blankets and enjoy this bedtime story. Hello there, boys and girls. This is Kelly Christensen. Some of you who are listening may know me, and a lot of you probably don't. Or you may remember me as one of your many teachers who helped out when your parents were in the service. For the years before the pandemic, Dave, my husband, and I mostly taught the first, second, and third graders here. But it wasn't always that way. I hung out with a lot of you kids back when you were drooling and spitting up and getting your diapers changed because my oldest daughter, Tatum, was doing the same thing. And back then, we didn't yet have a staffed nursery. It meant that I got to see kids like Alex and Gemma and Claire and Wesley and Sophie do amazing things like army crawl or sit up for a few seconds before falling sideways onto a baby blanket. I can't believe those babies are in sixth grade now. When Tatum and her baby friends grew, Dave and I taught the toddlers. Then my Eva was born along with kids like Miles and Millie and Tobin and Finn and Judah and Dominic. So I got to hang out with them and their moms on Sunday mornings while they did amazing things like pull themselves up onto a chair and say things like mama and dada and bye. Those kids are in third or fourth grade now. And then my Charlotte was born, so I hung out with kids like Elise and Zach and Natalie and Isaac, and their moms. And I watched them take wobbly steps, the kids, not the moms, and play peekaboo and shove Cheerios in their faces. Those kids are in the first or second grade now. You kids look a lot different now. You're much taller, for one. You say a lot more. And instead of Cheerios, you shove donuts in your mouths. But I can still see the baby faces in your smiles from all those years ago. That's one of the gifts of knowing people for a long time. Some of you kids live in different states or countries now, but that doesn't erase knowing each other for a long time. Having shared experiences and stories tend to keep people close even when they haven't seen each other for a while. It often gives you a foundation of devotion and loyalty and safety. I'm coming to you from the podcast room at church, and I was thinking about the story I'm about to tell you. This story has a lot of parts. It's partly about a group of friends, really close friends. They eat together and travel together and talk about important things together. They have a lot of shared experiences together with lots of stories to tell. You have probably heard of some of these stories before. One about fish and loaves of bread feeding tons of people. 
or sick people made well. But one of the saddest parts of this story involves something called betrayal. Betrayal is like being disloyal, like going against a person or group who trusted you. This story is arguably the biggest example of betrayal of all time. Judas betrays Jesus. The religious leaders in Jerusalem didn't want to lose any of their power to Jesus. And when they saw the crowds following him, they plotted to kill him. Not just lock him up or give him a fine and send him away. Kill him. And they didn't have to look far for assistance. Lucky for them, one of Jesus' own disciples, Judas Iscariot, was willing to help. It's what your parents might call an inside job. He promised to lead them to Jesus when there weren't any crowds around to see. And in exchange, they promised to give him not a palace, not a jumbo jet, not Super Bowl tickets. Wait for it. 30 pieces of silver. If you're interested, ask your parents to look up how much that would be worth today. Judas was willing to trade his relationship with Jesus for money. He was willing to send Jesus to his death even after witnessing all the miracles he had seen him do. This also means Jesus was betrayed by someone whom he loved dearly, and Jesus knew it was going to happen. Now, in the last bedtime Bible story, you heard Margaret talk about the Last Supper. After Judas met with the officials to make his awful deal, Jesus and all his disciples gathered for a last meal together, the Last Supper. And he wanted people to remember him by taking the bread and the cup. And then he said something that still gives me chills. He announced that someone in that very room, one of his closest people, would betray him. Sometimes I try to put myself in a Bible story and try to imagine what I would feel or see. In this case, I imagine sitting at the table and being told that Jesus was not only going to die, but one of us in that room was going to participate in his murder. It seems so hard to believe. It makes me gasp. What? It can't be. Jesus shared everything with them, traveled with them, filled their boats with fish when they couldn't catch an area one. I sometimes think about how I would react if I was Jesus. I suspect I would get mad, yell, maybe even order some of the other disciples to haul Judas away. Get him out of here. I don't want to even see him. But Jesus didn't do any of that. When he called out Judas as his betrayer, he essentially said, Go, do what you have to do. Jesus knew already that this was a part of the story, and he did what he had to do. Jesus took the rest of the disciples to a place called the Mount of Olives to pray and talk. At the same time, Judas was meeting with some of the soldiers planning to arrest Jesus. Jesus knew that at one time or another, all of his disciples would fall away from him, even if just for a time. Can you imagine all your closest friends leaving you in the dust to get beaten up by some bullies? After all the birthday party celebrations and baseball practices and Valentine cards, they just said, you're on your own. 
the disciples didn't want to believe it. Jesus went off to a quiet place to pray, asking his disciples to stay nearby, stay awake, and pray as well. Each time Jesus came back, they were asleep. Ugh. Judas knew where Jesus was, and he led the soldiers there. And although Jesus knew he was coming, he didn't hide or fight back. He didn't run. Judas gave Jesus a kiss on the cheek, which was the signal he had promised the soldiers to make sure that they had the right guy. And cover your ears if you're like my kids and don't like gross stuff. When Peter saw the soldiers stepping toward Jesus to grab him, he took a sword and chopped off one guy's ear. It's like something out of a movie, and fans of Jesus watching would likely have cheered. If this story was a Hollywood film, I could picture Jesus breaking away from the soldiers and killing them. But he didn't do that. I can't believe what he did. He told them to put their swords away, and then he healed the man's ear. Just stuck it back on the side of his head like nothing had happened. He knew that all these events, events that had been predicted hundreds of years before, and planned by God well before that, needed to happen. They needed to happen in order to eventually rescue everyone, including you and me. There was no amount of betrayal and falling asleep on the job that was going to stop Jesus from dying for us. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to learn more about these bedtime stories or about our church. Just Google Seven Mile Road, Boston. <laughs>